0: Hello, and welcome to our podcast, What Makes Them Tip Innovations That Changed Everything, where we hear from business leaders and entrepreneurs about the moment, insight, or inspiration that made everything possible and ultimately pushed them over the tipping point. I'm Mike Strada, founder and CEO of Arcalea, where we inspire business change by introducing data science, formal analytics, and provide implementation for marketing. Moneyball for growth oriented businesses. We say success is now a science. Stay with us, and at the end of the show, we'll share how you can be the next guest on one of the fastest-growing podcasts in the industry. And with that, let's get started.
1: Hello, and welcome to What Makes Them Tip, innovations that changed everything. I'm Jeff, and once again, I have the privilege of talking to amazing people who are truly innovating in their particular entrepreneurial space, and this is a chance for us to hear their stories. Today's guest is a proud Villanova alum who went from digital marketing intern to SEO director at an agency in just a few short years, and in the ensuing years, gathered the skills and experience to eventually found his own digital marketing agency, which is now going strong in the D.C. area. He's the founder and CEO of Knucklepuck. Please welcome Brett Snyder. Welcome, Brett. Thanks, Jeff. Pleasure to be here. Uh, We're glad to have you. Uh, I want to jump right in, first of all, to find out. uh, uh, Tell me where that name came from, Knucklepuck.
2: Oh, you're coming right out with it. So I'll do what I always do. You got to tell me where you think it came from first.
1: I have no idea. Something related to hockey would be my guess. And I I heard you say when we were talking pre-show that you're from New England. So maybe it's hockey. I have no idea.
2: A little bit. So it actually wasn't the original name of the company. So when I started what is now Knucklepuck in 2014, the company was called Agora Inbound. Because my background is an SEO, this was going to be a digital marketing agency. In ancient times, the agora was the marketplace. In modern times, the internet is the marketplace. Okay, yeah. And so I walked across the street from my townhouse to Kinko's. I got my business cards printed. I got my domain name, and then I got my cease and desist letter from oh. a publishing company that had a similar idea back in 1970. Okay. And so I took it to a trademark attorney. He said, "Look, like we could fight it. You might win. You might lose." You're going to pay me for the privilege either way. And there's really nothing tied up in this other than your own, you know, your own personal attachment. And so, you know, when you're talking about some of these things that make them tip, that was actually a very formative moment for me early on when I realized that it's not about me necessarily. It's Mm. not about the fact that I liked this name. It was the fact that it wasn't going to be a viable name for us. And so I labored over it for for weeks and weeks. And finally, my wife was like, dude, you got to just pick something. (laughs) Like if you're half as good at marketing as you think you are, pick a name and then build the brand around it. And so The Mighty Ducks was my favorite movie as a kid. movie from the late 90s, Emilio Estevez. Now it's coming back. Uh, Yeah. So The Knucklepuck is is a reference there. And so when I brought it back to a trademark attorney, kind of Raised his eyes at a potential Disney conflict, but
1: oh my gosh. <laughs>
2: I own the trademark, and you know we've been we've been going strong on the name ever since.
1: That's interesting, and you know that show is actually making a comeback on Disney Plus. Uh, I, I it. It, was,
2: it. It was was perfect cinema.
1: The, it, the, well, they're reviving it. Emilio Estevez is back. Yeah, I could go on for hours about pop culture Love stuff, it. but I won't. So uh, that's a great story about how you came up with the name. Tell me a little bit about what you guys do there. Yeah. So
2: we are a digital marketing and web development agency. So I mentioned my personal background is in search engine optimization. So I started an SEO at an intern at an agency in Philly who I'm still very, very close with, um, you know, years later with the kind of founder and the, the leadership team over there. Um, I learned a lot of the skills of how to do the job in Philly, uh, moved to Atlanta when my wife got into law school down there, um, learned a lot about how to run an agency, you know, learned how to talk to C-suite, learned how to sell the service, learned how to to you know what kind of do kind of the interpersonal communication of project management that goes beyond spreadsheets and Gantt charts and goes into, hey, what's the problem here? Like it see we seem to not really be be meshing today like we have in the past. Like is something is something wrong. Um, and so when we came back up to DC, I remember the DC area, um, I decided I, I always wanted to 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 start my own thing. Um, there were some things that I really wanted to to own in terms of that client relationship, in terms of the attention that is paid towards the consultant as the product of a digital marketing agency and, and how, you know, we really looked at that as if we can't maintain great staff and train and retain that great staff, that we don't really have a great product. Um, and so I started on the SEO side and I always said I would never do a service that we couldn't do as well as I could do SEO. And so it was probably two or three years um, into the business before we started offering paid media, you know, your Google ads, Facebook advertising, Microsoft advertising and that was when i hired maura miller who started our paid team eventually took over all of marketing and last year actually moved into our director of operations role to effectively run the business so that i can focus more on on brand building and, and partnering and relationship development and then so we have the seo and paid as the marketing side and about coming up on the three-year anniversary of when i acquired our web development team in a small wordpress web dev shop you know, these guys have been together for you know in some capacity or another for you know, a dozen years or more, um, had built some of the biggest sites on the web um, and, and really had a great opportunity to find. They, they meshed with our culture because they wanted to build great websites and not necessarily, at least the, the founder who runs the team now, didn't want to be a CEO. Mm-hmm. Um, and It was a really great mesh because I want to be able to enable great people who know more than me. and I can't write a line of code that doesn't start with ahref. You know, an yeah. HTML, but I can appreciate what those those folks need to be able to deliver the best work. And you know, it was really a, a natural pairing, um, and now three years later, we're really starting to to pick up steam on on that line of business in particular.
1: Well, that's awesome. So, and and you, we were just discussing. You guys, have, it's almost seven years for you guys, right? Seven years in
2: May. Yep, seven years, and I, I look at that as the. Cause everybody has their own start date, right? So, for anybody who's done that, I look at it as the day I got my LLC. My, my state corporation or state commission LLC for for Virginia, you know, it was on May fourth of uh, of 2014. So I always looked at that as the the start of the business.
1: Awesome. Well, now tell me a little. Let's let's go backwards a little bit and talk about kind of the beginning there when you first decided that you were going to do this on your own. Uh, tell me a little bit about how that process went and and what you did uh, to kind of like, I guess, approach the market. I mean, did you have employees right away? Was it just you? Like, what kind of contacts did you do to get started?
2: Yeah. So, I when I started Knucklepuck, I was 26. Um, and so, I just had a couple years under my belt, you know, working at, and I said, those two agencies that really gave me very different sets of experiences. Um, but I really wanted to go in there and I, I wanted to have something, like the idea of a bootstrap company was always my original plan for this. Uh, and that's so i started doing kind of freelance work and i actually saved every dollar of freelance work i made until i hit 20 grand mm. uh, and then that was my my seed investment in the business that is what i walked down the street to the bank of america and said i want to start a business here's my business account uh, and so i didn't have employees at the time I, I actually didn't even fully hadn't fully even left my full-time job when i was taking on freelance work um, because i had moved back up to virginia i had told them that you know i had no Immediate plans to move on, so we had a very, you know, a, an extended transition to make sure that I could leave them in a good spot. Uh, and so, but by the time I had left, I had a couple of clients that, you know, I had had on $400, $600 a month kind of retainers, um, but enough that I could see them were like, okay, I can, I can somewhat, you know, pay some bills. I don't have a lot of bills. I could pay our personal bills. Um, And then have a little bit of the, you know, the savings for the business. And then, you know, my, we had planned on, on starting this. So we had saved ourselves for, for a period of austerity Mm. (laughs) as we
1: got into this. And so what, what do you think were some of the, I guess, obstacles that you overcame at the beginning or any uh, successes or wins that you can really, really look back to that were kind of a tipping point in those early years?
2: Yeah, I would say one of the biggest, and it's, I think a tipping point is a really great, I love the the phrasing of that that you use in the show, because it's not, it's not saying it's a win or a challenge or you didn't overcome something. It's like, you can say like, what's a formative point in the, mm-hmm. the trajectory of your career? Uh, and so I had said that I had originally always liked the bootstrapped mentality. And that, that was my intent when I started it. Um, but about, probably about a year into, well, maybe not even that much. I had been working with one of our, our clients That was a, you know, I learned a little later that they own a number of different businesses. Um, And so they were effectively investors that took, you know, large equity stakes in these companies and drove the demand generation arm of it. Really fascinating business model, one that I'm I'm grateful to have learned about, you know, over the last seven years that we've been, or six years, I guess we've been working together. Uh, But I was doing work with just one of their clients, one of their projects. And then they approached me to say like, hey, have you ever considered, you know, taking a capital injection to try to accelerate the growth of the business? Um, and like this was back at the point where I got a communication degree, you know, from Villanova. Like I, I was not a, a business person. Like I, I walked into this giant boardroom with probably eight to 10 people in it. And I, and just me, you know, with all the other folks around the table. And I had to stop and ask what a vesting schedule was because mm. I had never heard of it before. It was just not something I had ever intended that my business would need to know what a, a cap table was, you know, or how these things were set up. Um, so it was very kind of very, Natural and organic, and that's what I actually liked about it. I didn't get any pressure from them to to take over. They weren't trying to buy me out. You know, they were really trying to invest. They were trying to accelerate. You know, what I they expected I would be able to do on my own, and I was able to now take, um, you know, take some of the financial liability off the plate for me. Be able to hire, you know, more people. We hired about eight to ten people. You know, after they, you know, we, after our acquisition kind of closed. Um, It was really interesting. As I mentioned, I took all the financial liability off the table, but I also gave up my majority ownership. Mm. Um, And that was one of the situations that I looked at at the time. And and I give this advice to people all the time because everybody always says like, oh, you'll regret it. And I eventually changed the, the circumstances, you know, when I felt that they needed to be adjusted. But I stand by my decision at the time. You know, I made the best decision I could to say, would this company be three times the size with the support, not just financial, but with the infrastructure support that they brought, with the ability for me to get in front of a client that now, instead of looking at our biggest client being $2,500 a month, I'm talking to people willing to pay us 64 grand a month mm. on retainer, which never would have happened without their influence and their their reputation. And so I always looked at that as a major tipping point because it it took me out of the idea of just kind of like, kid who wanted to, to run his own thing, to somebody who really understood
1: the mechanics of, of how to try to run a business and and how much I had to learn. honestly. Yeah. And so, I mean, what did you learn then after that? Like, what were some of the things that, that, because I know that that changed eventually that another tipping point that we're going to come to, uh, is involved. What, what changed between that, that time. And I guess, you know, when you made the decision to kind of regain owner, uh, full ownership.
2: Yeah, I mean, it wasn't even like with as far as what changed in in the decision making. I think I just you have to adapt if you make a decision, especially in a leadership position. Like if you've made that decision, you've made it. You're you're all in on that decision. You got to kind of go go full force. And for me, it changed from a kill what you can eat or eat what you kill kind of a mentality where I had hired an intern. I had hired a junior, junior person who, ironically, now runs my marketing team. <laughs> uh, so she, you know, and it's one where like we've maintained a good relationship for many years. She worked with me for about three years, had a stellar in-house opportunity, decided a couple of years later that there were some things that you know she liked back here, and we brought her back. Um, but I had just I had hired the person that I could afford to pay with the business that I had, um, and that was the way I had operated. You know, that was my bootstrap mentality. And what changed is now all of a sudden we're doing a build out. We did our build out in our office space for 4,000 square feet. You know, we're spending 30 grand on furniture, you know, to to fill out this space and expecting it to be able to, you know, how many people could we fit in this before we'd have to expand? Where do you want the electricals? What type of, you know, of drop paneling do you want in the ceiling? It's like, I don't know, (laughs) you know, and and it was one of the things where I realized like, okay, these are the decisions that an executive role does that isn't just a, a freelance consultant understanding the importance of taking an executive position. And to do so, you have to have reliable people to assume non-executive functions and Mm. to do billable work, for example, for clients, do operational work, do HR, financial pieces. You know, and and I found that I actually really tended well to an area that I could oversee and be involved and I could learn enough to be able to properly, you know, work with people. But if I could get the right folks that I trusted and were were
1: capable of handling it. I don't want to be involved in, in the day-to-day. Yeah. Is that the moment you realize that you're, wow, you're really, I really am a CEO. Like this is.
2: (laughs) Yeah. I I actually really disliked those letters for a long time because especially when the company was small, um, I don't know. I I don't know what it was, right. I just, I didn't, I didn't like saying CEO of a small, like of just a couple of people. Um, And I didn't like it when I didn't have a, a built out management team or function when it's just like, I'm just the boss at right. that point, you know, and, and the letters you put them on things they open more doors, you know. I think you'd be foolish not to take advantage of that. But I was I was always a little uncomfortable because I didn't feel that it really fulfilled an executive type of a function because it was just a boss. It was mm-hmm. just it was just everything was kind of running through me. I had the folks that that were coming in. We were trying to figure it out as we went, um, but really trying to get to a place where I have a really reliable, strong executive team. Now we're like now I feel deserving of that title, because I do think that I'm overseeing more developed functions and more um, kind of developed processes.
1: Yeah. Now, th- you told me earlier, there was another, there's an- another tipping point then that came more re- recently for you uh, as to the majority ownership. Tell me a little yeah, bit about so on, that. What on led January, to that?
2: January 1st of 2020, I bought back to 80% of of Puck. Um, And that was one of the, that was a decision that I made over many years. And and the 20% is still the same partner, still have a great relationship. Uh, But I found that my contributions to the company were outsized relative to my stake in the company. Um, And there was somebody that they had put on the board that was a pretty toxic person in general Mm -hmm. and toxic to, you know, to multiple businesses. Um, And it got to an area where we were in conflict constantly. Uh, mm. We were at an area where we had our big 64 grand a month client as they do when they're spending that kind of money, start to see, couldn't we invest in this in-house? And they took a lot of those in-house. So now we carried a lot of extra staff. We actually hired more staff for a project for you know this former board member of mine who then basically said, I'm not paying for it. And mm. so we went through a rounds. we had to do some layoffs. you know it was something where I was I was working, I was truly working the 80 plus hour weeks. You know the 80 to 90, it's mm. it's not a badge of honor, it's just miserable. Sure. Uh, and you do it and people do it all the time. But recognizing that you know the business was was not feeling successful, we had the worst turnover in staff because the we weren't able to sustain a, a, a good culture. You know, everybody was overworked. Everybody was asked to handle many different things. We took on projects for you know like Fortune 10 kind of names that mm-hmm. were way outside our our like We were punching outside our weight, and we could do the work, but it required hundreds more hours than we planned. You know, we were just at the point where everything seemed to be falling apart. Um, At one point, I remember that we were sitting on like 22 grand in cash in the bank and had like a 60 grand payroll running at the end of the week. Uh, Wow. I just just didn't know what to do. And, and, you know, the partners weren't much of a help for it. And there were some problems that were stemming from that. And I I remember the true tipping point. And it's interesting. It was none of the business things. The true tipping point was I was on my way to uh, a bachelor party um, for like an old college roommate. And I was packing up my bag. And I find out later it fell off in my bag. But I pull my arm out. I'm looking around. And I can't find my Fitbit. And it was the second one I had because I lost another one like a month (laughs) prior. And just something about like the frustration of just like one final thing. Losing that Fitbit was just like, I just can't do it. Like I slammed the computer down. I put it in my bag, walked straight out into an Uber. I called my wife and I was hysterical. I was crying. I was like, I'm not coming back into that place. And I I couldn't stop crying. I didn't know any reason. I didn't want to come back to Virginia. I wanted to go to this bachelor party and not come back. Um, And obviously I did, right? (laughs) Obviously we we went out there, we landed um, and kind of hung out with friends for a weekend. We went clubbing, you know, we partied, we, we got away from all that. Um, and on the plane ride back, it was just one of those things where it's, it's hard. It's not a tipping point. It's not always this big, fancy thing. Sure. I kind of just realized like that weekend made me, made me realize like, I can't do this anymore. Like, I just, I just cannot do it. Like something has to change. It is unsustainable to continue along the path that we're in. Um, and so I went back, we had to do a, a painful, a couple of layoffs, you know, it was a painful round of layoffs. And I went back and I told my board to effectively choose between the toxic person and me, um, because we were not going to be compatible and we were not going to be able to coexist to be able to drive this business and this investment where it needed to go. Yeah. So that was that was one of the areas that was kind of a tipping point early on of when things were getting really bad. And to get back to the you know the original piece, a lot of that started in motion me realizing that I needed to restructure my deal to maintain my own personal. Investment in the business to be personally incentivized to put in what I now knew it was going to ask of me. Yeah. You know, any any entrepreneur or business owner who has gotten to that point and gotten through it knows the sacrifice it takes. Mm-hmm. Right? It's not a I don't know if you're a Marvel fan or an Avengers fan, <laughs> uh, but when Thanos asks like, "What's the soul? So what did it costs?" Like everything. Everything. Um, and once once I felt that, I was like, I can't feel that again. Like I I can't. I, if I can control it, I can't do that again. I cannot allow that to happen. Yeah. Uh, And that set in, in motion, all of these steps for me to actually negotiate back, you know, my stake in the business. And, you know, they got a fair, you know, a fair buyout for theirs. They're still involved. We still have a great relationship and I'm grateful that they are still involved because they're part of our growth story. And I want them to continue to realize the return on their investment long-term, but I needed to make sure that I was in control, not just of, of the direction of the company, but also in terms of the output of the company.
1: Yeah. No, that's a great story. I mean, that's inspiring to, I mean, cause I know that took a lot of courage to walk into that boardroom and say that too. I mean, can, can I ask what did, did you have a strategy if if they had chosen the toxic, like what, what do you think you would have done?
2: I would have left. I mean, it would, yeah. would kill me. Like, and, yeah. and the whole, the whole company would have left. Um, like right. I, we had gotten to a point where it was literally like me and like seven people in mine trying to do a project for him. Um, and like him with like six people on his end and he's going it's like you just don't understand Like you're not, you're not getting what I want. Like you're not giving me what I want. And I finally had to step in and be like, look, like you're not here with like junior staff. Like you're talking to me. Like if I can't tell you what you want and I can't convey it here, like there's a problem with what you're saying. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we just got to the point where like the team kind of shrunk back and we're screaming at each other. And like, Nobody wants to work with somebody like that. I don't sure. want to do that. I don't want to have my team to think that like, they need me in the room because who else is going to stand up and respond to that behavior? Uh, yeah, It was, it was pretty brutal, um, you know, to a point where by the time we got there, it was like, look, like we're all effed. Yeah. <laughs> right? If you know, if, if you don't do this, like knuckle puck is gone. Mm. You know, 0% of people will decide with him versus me on this like the company dissolves and i knew that so i really didn't have feel much risk for it um because i knew that
1: they knew that we all yeah yeah i think those are the uh the good i mean those are the signs of a leader right being able you're willing to put yourself out there in front of your team and and uh do the right thing for them and you take the risks i mean that's that's huge i think that's a a great story um Tell me a little bit about what the future uh, looks like for knuckle puck now. Like, what do you guys have planned um, as, as seven moves on to 10 years?
2: Yeah. So it's it's really interesting. I think it's, we kind of tackled the pandemic in a way that I'm really proud of as a team. Like we Mm -hmm. actually have more folks at knuckle puck now, not, you know, not by a huge margin, but we actually had more staff at the end of the year than the beginning of the year. Um, and, and we really took that time, even though we didn't have billable work per se. We really spent a lot of time investing in processes, investing in our internal infrastructure, like mm. management, kind of HR type of infrastructure, defining roles for people, defining what a growth path looks like in our in our organization. Um, on the development side, we spent all of last year building out a uh, a platform really um, to allow us to to spin up small business sites um, or sites for smaller businesses that don't have a you know, a lot of our our web projects can be anywhere from 30 grand to six figures and up. Uh, And a lot of businesses, that's not, it's not financially viable, but it's also not necessary, Mm. right? Like a a small business really only needs a a, a certain set of things. They need simplicity in their website. Um, And we actually spent a lot of time taking the tools that we had developed for these large custom projects and seeing if we could create some sort of a, an equivalent that would be suitable for small business. Um, and so that was one of the big things that we're really proud of and, and where our team really stayed focused. I mean, we published more case studies in 2020 than any other year. Um, and it wasn't because we did more case study work per se, but we took the, 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 in, like, the time to invest in us. We knew that, you know, stuff was problematic, right, in the world. We're, right. we're in the middle of a global, global trauma in terms of, of what it's doing to personal and, and professional world. But we decided to send me like, what can we do for us? You know, what can we do to get our site up? I actually remember the last event, the last thing that we did before everything shut down is we had a launch party for our new website. We launched, it was supposed to be March 13th of last year. Mm. I remember because on March 10th, we had a really full guest list. By March 13th, <laughs> I paid the caterers because I knew they weren't getting paid for a year. Wow. So um, you know, that was that was a year ago. And I was really proud of how our team really responded to that because yeah. Everybody struggled with, you know, like the, you know, the general everyone, right? Not just our team. Sure, everybody, sure. Everybody went through went through a, a struggle last year to be able to adapt and adjust. And um, I think we're really well positioned for this year. And we've seen Q1 be, be really great, you know, sales month for us. We're seeing you know projects come in from all you know all of our different departments. I'm talking to other agency owners I know that are experiencing the same. You know, we're seeing especially in digital. You know, we're seeing people recognize that this is an area that needs to have more investment than it has gotten previously. Uh, And so it's been, it's been great to see. And we've kept the team together because as I mentioned at the top of the episode here, if we didn't have great people, if we didn't Mm. keep those great people in 2020 when somebody knocks on the door in 2021, I can't in any good conscience, sell them a service that I can't provide. Sure. We kept our team together. We tried to make the efficiency improve and said we could, but really we just wanted to make sure we were ready when things Turn the corner.
1: Yeah. That's great. I mean, uh, it's such a great story and so awesome to hear uh hear you tell it. Let me uh, make sure before we go though, that you have a chance to tell folks how they can find you on the internet, your website, things like that.
2: Yeah. So the best is probably our, our website is knucklepuckmedia.com. Um, I cannot get the owners of knucklepuck.com to sell it to me yet. <laughs> uh, it's uh, knucklepuckmedia.com. And if anybody wants to reach me personally, my email is Brett at knucklepuckmedia.com. Brett with
1: two T's. Awesome. Uh, Thank you so much for, for being on the show and for sharing your story with us. Uh, I hope that I wish you the best of luck in the future.
2: Yeah. Thanks so much for having me. I know I learn a lot from, from shows like yours to help me, you know, absorb the experience uh, of other folks. I, I really, I genuinely appreciate the opportunity.
1: All right. Well, thanks for sharing yours. And we thank you for listening to another episode of what makes them tip innovations that changed everything. We'll see you next time.
0: Thank you for listening to our show, What Makes Them Tip, Innovations That Changed Everything. If you're an entrepreneurial leader and you'd like to share the inspiration that changed everything in your business or venture, please visit arkeleia.com slash guest. And a small request, if you've liked this interview, please help us out by sharing this episode with a friend or on social with the hashtag arcalea. You can also help us out right now by providing a review in your podcast player and a thumbs up or rating review would help a ton. We promise to read every word and it helps us improve a little bit each day. And while you're at it, please also subscribe because every week you're going to be inspired and learn from other leaders in bite-sized increments. Again, my name is Mike Strada. Let's connect either on social or stay up to date on all things business at arcalea.com. Thanks again for listening and thank you for being part of the over 99% of America's firms that make up the entrepreneurial community. Until next time.